I, I, I was going to ask why why is Leon Bailey allowed to hit a free kick in the 85th minute? But why is Leon Bailey allowed to be involved in the game? <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Garth Brooks once said, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't know the way it all would end, the way it all would go. <laughs> Our lives are better left to chance. I could have missed the pain, but I'd have had to miss the dance. And you know what? You know what? That 10 game run might seem pointless now after another loss. Another game without fucking scoring. <laughs> but. It was good crack. It made memories. It made us all giddy and it brought us all together for once, you could say. Unfortunately, it only takes a game like that against Wolves to rip us all apart again, make us all grumps again. Imagine imagine the homes around the world now that have completely changed in the space of a week because of what we're all seeing on the little box that we watch in the corner of the room. I'm seeing all these lists, like, like they're all appearing on social media. You know these lists, you know the ones, you know, even before full-time players that need clearing out in the summer. <laughs> how, how do we fix this? People are going to firefighting mode before the game's even over. I'm seeing fans down each other's throats again. And unfortunately, I'm seeing yellow jerseys dancing on our graves again. I swear to God, Wolves are the team equivalent of Dwight Gale. Like any time I see them, I don't understand. I don't understand how they're not competing in April and May in the Champions League. It's crazy. It must be, must be shit against everybody else because they're brilliant against us or they're very, very effective against us. And honestly, if I never had to play Wolverhampton Wonders again, I would be delighted. Just when I thought my weekend couldn't get any worse, and I was expecting it to get worse for the next hour because I have to talk about that fucking game, having just watched it as well, you start fucking singing Garth Brooks down there. And <laughs> 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 your phone's Christ almighty, mate. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. The, the, the big problem here is that, that Emery dangled Europe in front of us and then it all went to shit. Yeah. Like, you know, like Florentino Perez dangled the Real Madrid job in front of Lapetegu. And before the ink was fucking dry on the contract, it all went to shit. He was sacked the morning before the World Cup and was sacked by Madrid two months later. Oh, you want this? Well, you can't have it. You want to beat Saudi Arabia 3-0? Well, then you have to be shit against Brentford, Fulham, Man United and Wolves. You, you want the Real Madrid job? Well, I'm going to fucking replace you with Fernando Hierro, who will let Koki take a penalty and a shootout to stay in the fucking World Cup. Like, I, I know as well, we, we obviously we obviously need to flesh out the squad. There's a... There's a lot of fucking fat to be trimmed as well, by the way. There's no there's no point in having a six-pack if it's covered by a beer belly. And there's no point in having Bubakar Kamara if he's covered by Leander Dentonker. There's, there's, there's also no point in every day being fucking leg day if you have Jesse Lingard's upper body strength. There's no point in having a solid base if you're trying to fucking land punches with Bertrand Trori and Leon Bailey. So yes, the squad needs a lot of work and the players... The players that have been asked to go to the well over and over again are scraping up fucking sand and gravel in the bucket at this stage. But I thought, I just thought that you know desire and hunger and ambition would keep them going for a month. Like you know, where's the fucking thirst? Like suck on those fucking stones for a while. Let's go. It's only a month to go. But the the performance level from the first minute, it was like it was like watching the last five minutes of a work five aside, just erratic nonsense. We had we had as much misplaced passes as fucking. Wayne Bridge had misplaced trust in John Terry. Just terrible decision-making. No composure. And then to fucking top it all off, 
Spurs won to go free ahead with free to play. And then Chelsea won as well. So your pals on Twitter don't get to call Frank Lampard 007. It's a fucking disastrous day all in. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's followed up the United loss to Brighton as well. Like United just gone about fucking our season over. They drew with Spurs. They got Spurs back up and running with their bit of confidence. Went and beat us and then lost to Brighton. Season <laughs> over because of Man United as well. It's... um. Uh, it's been a bad week, and you're saying about you thought they would have gotten it together for a month. I thought they would have gotten it together for this game at least. Like just, just get through this game, get the results. We all know that we're coming into three tough matches after this. Get the three points here, and let's see what happens. And I think we all would have been more understanding if we had a, if we had to drop the ball against one of these other teams coming in home stretch. All these other teams with stuff to play for as well. But thoroughly disappointing. It was performance more than anything. Yeah, it was just. We bring back those traits sometimes, and it's always away games. It's just not what you need in away game. Players falling over, bit of softness, kicking the ball away, like you say, erratic decision making's gone. Ah, just just a bad, flaky performance that gets the home crowd up up more than they should be as well, more than we should allow them to. And like it probably all underpinned by the first goal, like the only goal of the game, and it's another corner. We'll come back to Austin McPhee. But, I mean, it, it, like, it is very impressive. Like, I get it. It's very impressive that John McGinn can hold Craig Dawson under his arm. He can, he can hold Craig Dawson up with one arm. I get it. I get why people would want to look at that and want to just see if he could do it again. But, like, if you look at the, the corner coming in the second, the second time of asking, Mings is just looking out at McGinn, saying, oh, is he going to give away the penalty this time? McGinn is trying to give away the penalty, by the way. <laughs> the ball goes over Mings's head because I just feel like he, his attention is taken away for too long. For like Just just watching Craig Dawson. Cons is out there. McGinn's out there. There's enough people out there. And by the way, you're zonal marking. If the ball comes there and Dawson's coming in anyway, I still want you to win the ball. I don't care what's happening with McGinn and Dawson. Maybe picking on McGinn or on Mings too much there because when it goes over his head, Ramsey isn't even facing the ball. He's, he's turned around. He's trying to push Tony. So it's just a free header and it's a, it's a good header and off the crossbar. But but that's it. That's all they need to win the game. And that's it. Like once again, it's a shit goal from a shit corner and it's a free header. And we just don't get back in and don't look like getting back in. A couple of chances that we'll talk about. But like these boys look like they, they gave up on this match about 75 minutes in. It was like, ah, we're not getting through. Forget it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what McGinn and Konza were getting at getting involved in a fucking tag team wrestling match on the penalty spot. And that just spreads confusion and fucks up concentration for everyone, like you said. And if, and if we're doing this blend of blocking and zonal, why is Henry Konza blocking? Yeah. Why is one of our centre halves taking up that role? Like Jacob Ramsey is our big lad in midfield. We're not exactly replete with physically dominant players, for fuck's sake. Yeah. But leaving leaving that aside, there's something really fucking galling about Austin McPhee accepting high fives for Tyrone Mings flicking one on at the near post two weeks ago when we're so bad at defending set pieces and so average at creating chances from them as well. But Jacob Ramsey not looking at the ball. Not, not even a cursory glance over his shoulder. And why? It's not like he was. It's not like he was taking care of the man. So you know, it didn't didn't matter where the ball yeah. was. Like, like, did he have a water bottle that said "Toddy, overactive hypothalamus, sixty percent chance of stopping him if you tickle his belly"? What the fuck was that about? Get a bit of contact on him and have a general idea of where the ball is. About to smack off his forehead, get up with him, block his eye line, get in his way, tickle his nose with your hair, but be involved with him. Yeah. We were a fucking shambles. I haven't seen a defence as bad as that since Harry Maguire's lawyers gave their closing statement in making a central criminal court. 
<laughs> yeah, if you are going to give up on the general idea of keeping an eye on where the ball is, like, yeah, push him properly, you push him in the chest properly, get your hand in his face or something, like, just, just commit to blocking him, like you say, but he, he did neither, and yeah, like, it's a good header, but it's such a free header, it's ridiculous, and it's come a long way, of course, he's going to generate that power. And then, just to sort of rub salt in the wounds, I mean, there's Stuart Atwell's back in town. <laughs> so that's that's one talking point on its own. There's a handball that that he that he could give, but nobody's going to give it when you can just let it flow instead. And there's also three minutes of out of time because he's been in such a good job of letting it flow that we only get three minutes of out of time. I mean, I don't think he understands how many times he did end up stopping the game to give out to players. How many subs there were for starters? I I, I don't I don't know how he got on three minutes. I don't think. It mattered one bit because, like I say, Villa had given up long before that. Villa got the ball twice in those three minutes. It was pathetic. Craig <laughs> Dawson Craig Dawson ran down the first 35 seconds, jogging over to the corner flag and eventually winning a corner and or winning a throw. And we, like, it, it's crazy how we didn't take more action there. We've, we finally got the ball 90 seconds into injury time of these three minutes of added on. And Luca Dean had a free kick across to Diego Carlos, lump one forward, and that was it. Attack over. Then we got a free kick again. Like we got a free kick about another minute later, and uh, I Emmy mean, Martinez tries to lump one in, and that was it. That was all we got the ball in those three minutes of out of time. So we're probably lucky we didn't get any more. On the handball, I mean, if we're looking at the rules, which is probably asking for a lot, seeing as Atwell was ref in the game. It's probably a penalty. Let's just say I've seen them given to the big six. But I don't really really want anyone getting a penalty for that. It would be a shitty way to get a goal. The three minutes, you're absolutely right. A few extra minutes would have have been as helpful as telling someone to calm down. You know, it's it's absolutely... It would have been completely pointless. But because, because of things like this, there's a big push on to fundamentally change how the game is run. You know, stop clocks and 60 minute games, which you would be accept, which you'd expect to be a hard sell. But you know, Atwell's out there like fucking Del Boy, giving it the big in. 60 minute games, you can't ask for more than that. Genuine knockoff Rolex stop clocks, two for 50 quid. <laughs> and look, if the alternative is asking Stuart Atwell to look after the time, I mean, you might as well ask John Terry to look after your wife when you're on a business trip. But if people like Stuart Atwell are or the alternative, then bring on the fucking buzzers because that was ridiculous. Three minutes. Jacob Ramsey was on the ground for about three minutes before Bailey took that free kick. There was about two minutes wasted as well. And like you said, the amount of time that Stuart Atwell wasted just walking around the pitch talking to people, saying stop wasting time. <laughs> Nick on Twitter did say, I reckon you could get that ref to waste time by asking him what his favourite law of the game is. <laughs> and he is very distractible as well. And like the Jacob Ramsey thing is so true. I went to the toilet during that and came back and he was still down. And it was, I, I was made still... a sandwich during it. <laughs> and I know we're not in WhatsApp winds just yet. And I never ever want to make light of a head injury. But either either he's got a head injury or he doesn't. There, there's no in between here. There's no shaking it off. So I was a bit annoyed that he wouldn't just get up <laughs> when we needed him to get up and get on with the match. Like that was sort of going through the whole team as well. It was like, hurry up! <laughs> we're behind we've been behind in this game for four hours let's move the ball <laughs> but like why doesn't everybody show like Buendia does and Buendia gets a hard time then because he is showing but if everybody was buzzing around looking for the ball looking to make something happen we would have a bit more urgency it was fucking incredible 
Yeah, how static everybody one was was absolutely baffling, and that that can't be explained by you know coming towards the end of the season and being they're fucking professional footballers. You can run around for ninety minutes. I like I I don't care if you're not at your peak performance level. You can run into space. You can receive the ball from your fucking teammate. Everybody can do that. I don't care how many. I don't care if you have to play one game a week for thirty five weeks. Fucking hell, just move into space. <laughs> All right, let's leave that there. I'm going to go to WhatsApp. When Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Big, big shout out to Bertrand Ferrari who got the hat trick of fines this week. <laughs> Bertrand Ferrari tried to take a touch of the ball, fell over himself and knocked the ball out for a throw in. Trying to take a touch. He then tried to cross field past the Moreno, went out for a throw in. <laughs> then he tried to cross, went out for a goal kick. I mean, you don't get any more of a perfect hat trick than that. Leon Bailey tried, he got a brace. He also, <laughs> Leon Bailey also, in the same game as Bertrand Ferrari, tried to take a touch, fell over himself, and kicked the ball out for a throw in. And he also tried to pass the ball to his left back, which is Luca Dean, not Moreno, and he hit it out for a throw in. Like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I was about to say you sound surprised there, Connor. Bertrand Rory and Leon Bailey were on the pitch today. At least five fucking stupid things are going to happen, and I'm surprised it was only five. <laughs> but they have floated one out of play as well, trying to find Douglas Louise. Jacob Ramsey, this is going to be a new find. Jacob Ramsey got one for, for that under hit pass to Moreno. We're away. We're away down the left. Moreno's. Rainer was about 40 yards ahead of him, just push it further in front as well. And he, he just, oh, it, it, actually, it wasn't even that Moreno had to come back. It was that he couldn't even get the ball when he came back. He ended up giving away a throw in, trying to retrieve this coward pass from Ramsey. And Bailey then did one straight out, not straight after, but from the free kick. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he, um, it then tried to set up, tried to rectify the situation. He set up John McGinn. And he plays it too short that they can clear it. Like, no more underhead passes. But if you're going to play the ball, play the ball. At every level of the sport, anybody who underhits a pass, who makes the person who's running forward have to check the run, 
they, they should be fined a week's wages at a, at a minimum. Absolutely. I don't care. I don't care if they're not a professional footballer. You should yeah. demand that they give you their salary for that fucking week, no matter what they do for a living. If, it's, if you're playing five aside and work, they're not getting fucking paid. That's just it. You tell, tell HR to withhold the money. It's fucking pathetic. It's so irritating to watch. And we all know what it fucking feels like as well whenever you have to do, step back and get the ball. Yeah. Unbelievable. Just kick the ball. It's enjoyable kicking it. We're here to play football. Like, like I'd rather overhead it or mishit it. You just you've done that. Like it's a conscious decision. You're afraid to hit it out of play or hit it too close to the defender. Come on, back yourself. Fucking rattle the ball into his feet. There was another one as well though, where he was in. And do you remember Douglas Louise played the ball a couple of weeks ago to Marino with his left foot over the top, and it was it just got him straight in. He volleyed the ball across the box first time. He was in that space for what felt like four or five minutes today as John McGinn bumbled to try to get the ball out of his fucking feet. And then he slipped on his arse as he played the ball to the fucking fullback instead. Floated the ball out to him as well. Fucking ping the ball out to him. There's nothing but space. Play it into the stand. Fucking Moreno will still get there first. <laughs> first WhatsApp wins. We're back on this man. Stuart Atwell giving a free kick for John McGinn's shins being planted on. <laughs> that is peak Stuart Atwell give it a free kick against John McGinn I should say that was unbelievable because the, the commentators had no idea what was going on and they were and, and they kept showing a replay of it and I thought the camera was on Stuart Atwell that they were they were waiting to see was he making a decision had this been referred to VAR and then the play came back in and the commentators didn't really even seem to realise that the, the free kick had been given to Wolves so neither did I I was like hang on a second what the fuck is going on why is Kilman standing over our free kick <laughs> well the commentators are involved in the second whatsapp winch because the quote that they used and this isn't on them it's through 80 seconds 80 seconds into the second half now remember leon bailey has just watched bertrand ferrari stink the place out for the first half like one of the worst performances i can ever remember in that first half so he's he just he's just seen everything not to do and 80 seconds in the commentators say Bailey's flick doesn't come off. <laughs> Wolves pissed down the pitch. Emmy Martinez makes that really good save at the near post. Like that, that could have been, well, it was game over anyway, but it could have been game over, over, over. It, it, it definitely could have been. And that was, like he said, what have you been watching? Why do you think you've been brought on here? Like, do you, he's like, you know, oh, I like what Burton Trory's doing there. I say Leon can do it even better. Get out there, son. Spank him on the arse. Like, what are you, you're brought on because he's doing that? Not because he's doing it badly, because he's doing it at all. Yeah. Fucking knock it in the head. Third WhatsApp wins, most serious one. Diego Carlos seemed to really enjoy that Wolves victory, didn't he? <laughs> I'm very happy that he is delighted for his old boss. I don't know. I don't need to see this. Like, take take the smile off your face a little bit, or. Or just shorten this interaction, or tell him you'll see him in the tunnel. He was he was celebrating with Lapategui, and then who then pulled another Wolves player over, and they were, the three of them were in a huddle. It was like he just helped Wolves. He was happy to have helped Wolves stay up in the in the league. It was a big a big joint celebration. <laughs> what a prick! Imagine that celebrating the win. But you know actually what's going on here? That Diego Carlos is so happy to be back with Lapategui because. He would never have let Koke take a penalty in a World Cup knockout round. <laughs> the next WhatsApp wins. Same theme. Well, I'm glad Matt Cash finds something funny anyway. <laughs> Camera pans in Matt Cash laughing, laughing in the stands while I'm going through 
the worst day of my life. <laughs> but like, you know, it was a bad, bad day, a tough watch. I don't need to see Matt Cash having a joke in the stands. No, and that's exactly what I was thinking. But then I was thinking, maybe he knows something I don't. Maybe he thinks that Unai Emery is going to do something different here. Maybe maybe he doesn't expect that our only sub is just going to be Callum Chambers again, except this time it's Diego Carlos. And maybe he doesn't realise that the only thing he's got up his sleeve is fucking Luca Dina coming on a left back instead of <laughs> Alex Moreno. Maybe Matt Cash still didn't realise that we have fucking nothing to give and this game is over as a contest. Yeah. The next one. This has come up recently enough. Why won't Buendia hurry up and hit the ball? <laughs> I think uh, is is this, is this just me? I get that people want to be fully under control sometimes of the ball, but like sometimes the choice is either hit it now or get blocked down. <laughs> I was sort of funny a few weeks ago when I was fining him for being blocked down, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he's getting blocked down too much for my liking. I think the reason you're you're frustrated at Buendia getting blocked down was because he was on the ball. He was the only person getting on the ball, like he said, and most of the chances were coming through him and most of the most of the good player getting on to the end of things were was Envy Buendia. But every time an Aston Villa player had the ball in the box, they were all blocked down. It was just bizarre. Wolves were obviously mad for it after they embarrassed themselves last week. But I think you're picking on Envy Buendia for something that was absolutely endemic across the, the whole team. Yeah. I feel like Emmy Buendia's fingers are permanently broken. Have you noticed that? He just seems to have strapping on his fingers at all times. That's just probably... I, I bet you that's because Uday Emery has strapped his fingers together because he knows he's such an emotional wreck he might give the fucking referee the finger. <laughs> <laughs> the last WhatsApp winch. Alex Moreno doing his bit to keep the city rumours at bay anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't a great day for him, was it? No, it wasn't. I mean, I, I was surprised they stayed on till the till the eighty fifth minute. But uh, and Emery can only make can only make five subs, I suppose. And uh, Moreno wasn't good, but that wasn't necessarily his fault. Moreno thrives whenever we're moving the ball well. Moreno thrives whenever we're exploiting space well. We did neither of those things today. So Alex Moreno couldn't get in the game. His touch was terrible, though. But like I said about Buendia, he wasn't alone in that either. No, we're going to leave that there. We've got a lot of Glenn Whelan nominations that we're going to get to in the award categories, but we'll take a quick break. We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast. Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Leeds United. The lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably been a bit of a twat to Tyrone Mings all game. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real. He's, like if you. He's an uh, unlikable character. Like one of he's put on a foot. Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not. It's not. He's not that type of player. It's not in his game. Somebody put on a foot there. I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. Block the fucking shot. It was a fucking disaster. I did quite enjoy the hopelessness of their their grief with it. Those other still have it. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Villa was shite. Like there's there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean. They're 
They're really well coached. They're really aggressive. They're really adventurous. But the players are shit. <laughs> the, the key line is that we're, we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit. They're not either. They're not shit. I mean, that was great. That did have everything. Only downside, those Brummy accents, though, really go through you, don't they? Let's start with the Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. The first nomination is maybe a bit innocuous, but it annoyed me that much. I want to mention it. It was at the left-back spot. The ball was breaking. Ramsey decided to stop instead of just going and picking up the loose ball. Moreno sees him stop, but he decides to step away anyway, and then two Wolves players just run through. He's like, what? Breakdown of communication. I don't know if it's worth talking about, but I wanted to highlight it because I wasn't happy. And then the second, <laughs> the second nomination, maybe the maybe the the winner, Douglas Louise's scoop into no one. I mean, this this came from like this was really annoying. Ramsey went breaking away down the left. Buendia refusing to go on the overlap. Just would not go on the overlap. It was two on one. If you go on the overlap, there's the two on one. But he stops and he just keeps telling Ramsey to give it to him here so he can step inside. Then Moreno eventually comes and he goes on the underlap. But it's so predictable now at this stage and it's so obvious where he's going, where he has to hit the ball back and it's blocked down. Then it comes out to Dougie and, and he does that, just chips it over everyone's head and bounces into the keeper's hands. Yeah, uh, absolutely baffling decision. But to be fair to Douglas Louise, he couldn't possibly have expected three professional footballers just to stand there. He, may, <laughs> he must have expected at least one of them to move. Although in saying that, he had just watched Buendia not fucking move, so he probably should have known that that wasn't, a, that wasn't a possibility. So we're down to two players now. Jacob Ramsey's just carried the ball 60 yards, so he was probably fucked. Probably shouldn't have known he was going to run. And Alex Moreno has had to fucking run for Buendia. He's just run for two people. So he couldn't fucking run anymore. Douglas Louise is a moron, Conan, you're right. <laughs> but maybe the real winner is Leon Bailey. The corner at the start of the second half for Wolves it comes out. They'll look like they're away. It's bouncing at the edge of the box. There's no one around. Bailey, instead of carrying the ball out and driving forward, tries to chip it back into the box, trying to find Moreno, I think. And he gives it straight back to Wolves. Crazy carry on. Absolutely crazy carry on, but you know, like we've already discussed, he thought he was brought on to do exactly what Bertrand Trory would do in every circumstance. If that was why you were being brought on, Bertrand Trory would have stayed on. He's a lot fucking crazier than you. We would have left him there. We don't need you coming on and mimicking him. We don't need anybody trying to copy Bertrand Trory, like I said last week. How have I said this two weeks in a row? Stop <laughs> copying Bertrand Trory when you're in your own box. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing I did notice that Leon Bailey does better than anyone. He threw the ball out. It was another Wolves corner. And he threw it towards the corner flag with a bit of backspin. And it stopped in the quadrant. Unbelievably perfect. It was it was, it was really impressive. Like I, I didn't think he had it in him. Just the way he tossed it out, it looked like he had overthrown it. But because he backspun it, it stopped perfectly on the quadrant. quadrant. Maybe basketball's this game. It's not fucking soccer anyway. <laughs> he wins the What the Fuck Award. Uh, Ronnie Rosenthal. Award, ah, Buendia's drop kick, half volley, good strike, decent save. Comes from a Ming's cross. It was like, Ming, stop. It's, it's not you. Stop thinking it's you. It's like, it's, you know, we haven't gotten all these players forward for you to cross the ball from a worse crossing position. But, you know, it came back out to Watkins' head anyway. Old pillow head got it down for Buendia. Ah, yeah, that was probably the best chance of the first half. No, yeah. it wasn't, but I'll come back. 
<laughs> it was incredible. Incredible from Watkins. Incredible from from Buendia to control it with his stomach. It's an, it's an awkward enough height. And then it's an incredible save from Sa. What can you say? Really annoying. Yeah. I mean, I thought we were clear last week when we said Ollie Watkins shouldn't be trying overhead kicks. <laughs> I thought he would have learned, but that was not nice to see again, was it? Who who needs the concussion protocol? I mean, who needs the fucking medical staff? All the evidence I need is that attempted fucking overhead kick. I mean, have a fucking seat, Ricky. He's nodded Kilman in the back of the head, and his head's had a fucking wobble. Case closed. We know we can see what he's tried to do there. He overhead kicked the ball, but didn't even attempt to adjust his body or his foot to get yeah. the ball in the direction of the goals. He just overhead kicked it in the way he was facing. It was fucking ridiculous. Well, obviously not the way he was facing. It was an overhead kick. But he just overhead kicked it directly behind his body. It was fucking crazy. <laughs> it's going to take some beating this one, but the Watkins header from the Ramsey cross, it's not even eight yards out. He's in the middle of the goals. He gets it flush on that head of his that you're talking about. Maybe that's part of the problem. Gets a proper connection. No pressure. Why is why is he heading that into the keeper's chest? Never mind his hands are like in a savable position. Put that away. Absolutely. I mean it's absolutely brilliant. Brilliant for Mings in the build up to that. He carries the ball about forty or fifty yards, nudges it in front of JJ. JJ's having a look, doing everything you want. The two players, Mings sees the space, he goes. Jacob Ramsey gets put into the channel. He's looking up. He picks out a centre forward with a delicious cross. And the centre forward is just had an absolute nightmare. I mean, that was catastrophically bad for a player like Ollie Watkins. He's eight yards out, like you said. It's right on his forehead. He's not jumping. He's standing there. He can yeah. do whatever he wants. And apparently what he wants to do is give the ball to Sa's stomach. <laughs> uh, Cunha really blew one as well. Costa knocked one down for him and he just drilled it over the bar. He should have done better. Then actually, the young one from the corner routine pulled it wide I would never allow that routine if that's how Young is planning on connecting with the ball <laughs> but also there's a bigger <laughs> question it's like why why do we keep devising these routines that are trying to get us a shot from 20 22 yards out like that's, like that's, the, we've got a corner put the ball put the ball in the mixer <laughs> yeah like it, it's a nice routine to get the ball to Young but like, why do we care it's just getting the ball to somebody like we haven't moved anybody we haven't moved Wolves around yeah like because the, the angle we're at we like nobody's moved out of Nobody's not blocking the net for Ashley Young anymore. All the bodies are still in between him and the goalpost. It's it's so stupid, so convoluted to give someone an awkward shot from an awkward angle and for him to fucking try to ankle it in from 20 yards is even more strange. <laughs> but like that's it. Literally all the bodies are between him and the goal. It's a it's a strange routine and it's it's more annoying just when you see that Douglas Louise one. I mean, the keeper got a very soft three there. It didn't matter. He'd cleared it away, but... Douglas Weed putting that ball on top of the keeper is way more effective than us shooting through 22 bodies from tw- from 22 yards out. Of course it is. And that, that one's really annoying is because Con- as soon as Konza puts his hands back, he's going to concede the free kick. But Konza can probably just stand there and put it... like Even if he's got his hands kind of on his hips so that his, his elbows are flailing, like, he doesn't have to hold the goalkeeper. Yeah. Just, and he should be nudging that in. Like, it's incredible that he doesn't put that in the net because he's fouling the goalkeeper as well and the ball's on his forehead. I don't know how Sa manages to get there. Kanza has to score that and then we can go to VAR afterwards. Yeah. Tyrone Mings. I mean, oh, I thought about Ollie Watkins actually. This is, this is a tough one. Tyrone Mings. Lovely free kick from Douglas Louise over the top. I mean, what, what more do you want, Tyrone? Like, it's on your good foot. It's 
sat up for you to drill to cushion to do whatever you want and he's just ballooned it over the crossbar it's an amazing free kick from Douglas Louise and be- and because Tyrone Mings has sacrificed the power we'll have to assume he's hit that where he wanted to like he's, he's sacrificed the power for accuracy I'm, I'm assuming so he obviously just wanted to put that into the stand fucking unbelievable and now we're going to have to fucking sacrifice Bertrand Rory to appease the footballing gods because that was absolutely terrible from Tyrone Mings there's no coming back from that <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely the winner. <laughs> There's two more nominations, but Dia had a chance from the Marino cross, and uh, oh yeah, great. the old the old Aston Villa fucking favourite from from Emiliano Bundia. <laughs> brilliant again from Marino. Great pullback, and now fucking Bundia needs to have his pants pulled down because that is ridiculous. Like how how does this happen again? Like at least he connects with the ball, but he connects with his fucking ankle, and it just balloons into the air, slicing a volley that bad, unbelievable. We have been consistent on this, on players connecting with the ball. We would be way more effective if they could connect with it. But yeah. Yeah. Like, We're not going to contradict ourselves in this podcast. That's something, that's one of the things that we think is, is important for football. And we've always stood by it. That's part of our philosophy. Hit the fucking ball. But like, Marino would have 15 assists this season if, if, we just, if players were able to kick the ball in this club. Yeah, and um, Wendy would have 25 assists as well. Like It's, it's yeah, it, it's unfair. And... You know, speaking of connecting with the ball too well, then at the other end of the spectrum, uh, Diego Carlos played an amazing pass uh, over the top around the corner onto Ollie Watkins, who decides to head it. It's like a John McGinn decision, and it, maybe maybe he could head it, but he just he had it. it. Looked like he was trying to aim for the sideline. It was weird. Yeah, it was strange. Delicious from Diego Carlos to pick him out as well. What a what a brilliant ball and Ollie Watkins. You know, and the, and. The, uh, Ollie Watkins went in that eleven goal run for twelve games, and before that, he was an absolute. <laughs> he he was someone. Let's say that split the the fan base, Colin. Yeah. And this is the reason as well. It's big, big chances that he misses a lot of the time. Yeah, I know it's not the day to celebrate Leon Bailey, but he is the winner of the Bertrand Trorori. That is filthy award. I mean, I mean, maybe it's fitting that Leon Bailey's winning the Bertie T award today because of how badly <laughs> both of them played, but. Yeah, his little run and nutmeg on Tody was good, and he won the free. Like you know, he got the yellow card off Tody. Like if he didn't get that, he was in. Like that's more like it. He never seems to get squared up to the defender and going at him properly with a bit of skill. He just he just always tries to come back out. He goes down the right, tries to come back on these left across it, and gets blocked. Yeah, and he does that even if he's got the space on his right foot. Despite like he just hasn't learned, and like he obviously doesn't listen to the podcast, which is probably a good thing. Well, that's the most annoying thing, I think. <laughs> but like to not to not know that when he goes on to his right and the space is there, he should just cross the ball is is baffling. Considering how many chances Aston Villa get whenever he does do that, it's yeah. it is infuriating. Do you like Glenn Whelan take a ninetieth minute penalty award? I mean, I know it's a bit of crack and stuff like that, but I, Bertrand Traore starting. I don't want my manager believing in fairy tales. Is he <laughs> you see all this stuff like the Bertie Teeburger, you see the Callum Chambers from 20 yards, the overhead kick, like, leave that shit to me. And I, <laughs> I expect you and I, Emery, to be able to cut through all this with a cold head and make proper decisions. Bertrand Traore starting, where does he get off? Yeah, so, yeah. Like someone turned up late to a fucking barbecue and there's no heat left in the barbecue but you throw them on a burger anyway and they eat it and we all know what happens next they shit all over the fucking place and, 
And like you said, I don't expect to get food poisoning from um, from Unai Emery. Much like the one time I actually did get food po- food poisoning, it was from an equally unlikely source at an international food festival. I don't want to give away too much information, but let's just say it was in a big house hotel in Ballymaloo in County Cork. I don't really want to say much more than that, though. <laughs> yeah. well, well, he made the right decision taking him off at halftime. So... But yeah, would you, like, yeah, like not not for Bailey, obviously. But like, so there, there's a couple of questions here. Would you rather have Traore instead of Bailey for the second half? Obviously, Kamara couldn't play the full half. Like that, that would have been the natural selection. Because I was looking forward to seeing him again push forward there. And the other question is: Would you rather than Donker than Bailey and push McGinn forward? But see, this is the thing. He obviously thought that this system was working in the first half. And I had to turn off his uh, post-match interview after about 10 seconds because he said we played really well in the first half. And so because he thought the system was working, he persisted with it essentially by putting in Leon Bailey instead of Bertrand Trory. It was, it was strange. It was like he made this decision that this was the best way to get around Wolves was to have to have a winger, an out-and-out winger on the right side of midfield. And he, and he had to he had to do it again then in the second half. And that was the only change he could see to make. Because he didn't have to do that. Of course, he could have played Ramsey over there. And he could have played Buendia on the left. And he could have put Duran up front. He could have changed something because it definitely wasn't working in the first half. He could have put Leon Bailey up top. He could have put Bertrand Drury up top. But he obviously thought that that system was working. And that's why the absolutely he doubled down. Like, you know, he, went, he went all in when he had... Pocket, a pocket, a pocket two and a, and a three. That was it. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going all in on this. Like, this is, this is working so well. How can, how can I lose? Yeah. And silly, silly decision. I can't believe it. Well, I'll tell you one surefire way of ensuring that you lose. It's another nomination. Leon Bailey being allowed to hit a f- clutch free kick. <laughs> Wait, what is going on here? Like we talk about. We we spoken about something like this before. Where's people's pride? It's it's like it's it's fitting. It's like the Glen Whelan hitting a penalty in in injury time. Who? What? What do the other players think of that? Where where's their self respect? Like where where's their cop on? Maybe he's not. Maybe I am a better place to hit it than him. Like why is Leon Bailey hitting this free kick at the aids of the box? Just to like it's it's over on the wing at the side of the box. Like John McGinn's there. Douglas Louise is there. Tyrone Mings was standing over there. I thought, oh yeah, he'd be better off. Like, and then Bailey hit the straight <laughs> into the wall. We all knew that was happening. And then Bailey tries to rectify it by teeing up John McGinn, passes their Wolves player instead. Yeah, I, I I was going to ask why why is Leon Bailey allowed to hit a free kick in the 85th minute? But why is Leon Bailey allowed to be involved in the game? Like, like, not only is it like, like you said, we could all see exactly what was going to happen there, and it was it was actually like that time when the, the Diego Costa told Hero not to let Koke hit the free kick, and then Hero went to, or hit the penalty, and Koke was talking to Hero. Hero asked him, Are "You sure you want to hit it?" And Koke said, "Yeah, no ball at all." And of course, he fucking missed. It was Koke hitting the penalty in a World Cup knockout, and Diego, and fucking Douglas Louise turns to. Turns to Bailey and said, do you want to hit this? And Bailey's nodding, going, yeah, of course. And of course you hit the fucking wall, Liam Bailey hit a clutch free kick. It's unbelievable. And then he's got the ball in the box afterwards, so he fucks up, but he gets a second chance, gets a chance at redemption. He's got the ball in the box, and he's got his fucking arm in the air. Ball at his feet, arm in the air, in the box. In the box. <laughs> he's, he's so intent on Stuart Atwell winning this game for us that he nearly fucking passes it to him as well. But the pass is so much closer to Atwell than it is to McGinn. And not only that, 
Wolves get a counter attack from it. It was fucking insane. <laughs> yeah, there was there was too much stuff that Bailey and Traore did that led to Wolves' chances. It was it was mad how often it was happening to. Yeah, like, I I don't know. I mean, we could broaden this out. Like Bailey hitting that free kick, it broadened out into our set pieces. Obviously, we've conceded yet again from our own set piece, and it seems to be like that's not good enough. It's not good enough how often we're conceding from our own set pieces, and it seems to be we're putting all our focus on creating a different routine for every single corner that we get like can we just try something different every time we've got a set piece right down to like can leon bailey hit this free kick it's just <laughs> like we've got no consistency no pattern even the things that work we seem to go away from them like against newcastle we just did the same thing over and over and it was working and we kept them under pressure but that was the one game that i remember is sticking with what was working i don't know did the players decide to do that i'm not sure what's going on i'm not i'm I'm convinced that we're not working enough on defending these set pieces. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, uh, I'm not sure what's more annoying, not sticking with what's working on attacking set pieces or sticking with what's not working on defensive <laughs> set pieces. Like, it's 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 unbelievable. And I, I, I really do think that Austin, like I said, we're not a big team, fair enough. But, like, there, there's ways to defend that you don't have to be a big team. There's ways to score from corners that you don't have to be a big team either. It obviously helps. But we're pathetic. Like we're we're mid table and creating chances. And like you say, we're obviously putting far too much fucking hours into this on the on the training ground, trying to figure out how we're going to score from a really convoluted free kick. And let's not forget as well, two of the goals we scored from corners have been direct from the corner as well. So that's not that's nothing to be praising him about. One was a flick on from Tyrone Mings at the near post. That's nothing to be praising Austin McPhee about. But we're also in the relegation zone for goals conceded from corners and that's not good enough like we're really bad we're really shaky from it as well we constantly see it every game we constantly feel it every game every time an opposition team has a corner kick I'm panicky I'm worried about it and Wolves knew that today as well like obviously Ruben Neves is good at taking corners but they obviously knew how shit we are at defending them as well because they weren't dicking around he was just fucking pinging them in to eight yards out every time he got a corner that was it he was just pinging it in maybe we should have fucking tried that a few times as well yeah, well, it's not like we've got somebody like Douglas Louise to do that. Like, exactly. And it's not like we don't have Tyrone Mings to get in the end of it either. <laughs> or Buendia. <laughs> Another nomination, the last one. We need a better pressing structure against the weaker teams. Like We're, we're too deep. The, the, the two up front is just always outnumbered. It's too easy to get around. and It's just frustrating, especially when you're behind for so long in the game. Just letting minutes drift by as Wolves keep possession and are able to work it. It's like, push up, let's take a risk. It's it's Diego Costa up front. I mean, I know, I know <laughs> we're, we're fine to let, let a foot race happen there. We've got Mings and Conza. And I know Diego Carlos is going to come on. He really wants Lopetegui to be safe from relegation. I know all that. <laughs> but come on, let's push. Like, let's, get a, let's get four up there. Let's push up a bit more aggressively. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's... I don't know if we were able to push up. I, like, I, I, he obviously wants us to push up more aggressively, but I just don't know if the players had it in them. I, mean, it, I think it all comes back. Like, our decision-making was obviously affected by how tired we were as well, as, we, as we've spoken about. And obviously as well, we couldn't press because of that. I mean, th- think about how static we were on the ball, and I'll tell you why we were static off the ball as well. I mean, they're not one Moreno... Moreno goes spinning around and he loses the ball and it's a counter-attack. I think that's the one that leads to Costa getting through on goal yeah. before Emmy Martinez comes out into that 
that Bermuda Triangle between Martinez, Conza, and Mings. But like Moreno's spinning the ball. Where are you going, pal? And why are you going there so slowly? And, and why are you taking your directions from Neves? I think it really summed up our performance. Bad decision making, even though even though he had so few options to choose from. It was, it was like a fucking multiple choice exam with negative marking. What, what's the grade for fucking minus 70? Like we were just we were all over the place. And I, I just don't know if we if we were able to press Conan. I don't think it was there. I don't think it was in inner bodies. Yeah. Well, we try and make a case for anybody going up on the Vyman meter. I've, I've got one suggestion, and I don't even know how much I believe in it myself because I don't think he was that good. This is a weird tee up for it. But uh, Kanza, Kanza sort of annoys me. He's a bit slow on the ball sometimes. He goes back to Martinez more than Mings, I think. I think it's just because Mings has the ball more that people notice that. And <laughs> this is me getting around to praising Kanza. Um, and I don't think he was that good defensively. <laughs> I thought he was all right defensively. But when he went to right back then as well, I actually, there's something I like about him at right back, right? He can give the ball away. He's actually, sometimes his passing's nice, but he can give the ball away down that wing. But he seems to know when they step forward, when they when they push and 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 to just to follow it up. He's, he always gets back in front of the winger. He takes that risk. I think he backs himself, and often he picks up the second ball then from his own passes. It's, it's I don't know. It's a nice it's a nice pattern that I've noticed with him. I could definitely see him play it right back more often. But um, yeah, I don't know. Is that is that is that good enough reason to put Kanza up on the Vima meter? Whatever I said there. <laughs> Can't repeat it there, Connor. What was it again? Um, I said he kicked the ball in Martinez too often. He's too slow on it. He kicks it in the wing and he wasn't that good defensively. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I need to answer your question then, do you? But uh, he can definitely play right back because he played there the, the year he kept us up from uh, the year we stayed up in the last couple of games of the season. Yeah. He played right back for the whole run in that season. Uh, he's, got, he's got the attributes to do it despite what you just talked about there. And... If he wants to play that asymmetric defensive structure, then he's probably a much more natural. He's definitely a more natural fit than Matt Cash or Ashley Young is. Yeah. Do you have anybody like maybe Douglas Louise? I don't know. Like I don't. I don't know. Um, Martinez maybe, but he doesn't have much to do. So no. Um, I'm like the reason I'm I'm I'm, I'm not trying to be overly positive here, just because we can assume anybody who's not mentioned is going down. <laughs> I'd say. Like you could make a case for Buendia if you wanted to. I mean, but it was all just, it was all nearly, nearly from Buendia, like you talked about, is getting blocked down. Like the one you said, the great little reverse ball from Young as well, and this beautiful feed from Buendia in the box, and it's all a bit too tight and he gets blocked down. That happened a lot. His shots got blocked a lot, like you said, but he was buzzing around. He was trying. He was trying to get on the ball. He wasn't dancing around like a ballerina screaming at his teammates this time, which is strange because he had plenty of fucking opportunity to do it as well. I mean, I suspect someone's had a word with him, but I'd say, actually, I would say just because Buendia wasn't being a money little prick, we'd put him up in the bank. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. We strapped his fingers and shot him up like it's important. <laughs> um, maybe it's good to see Kamara back. Like, it's been a long time without him, and like his first first touch of the ball, he just, oh, just good to see it back, isn't it? He, he just stands there, waits for the, the defender to guess where he's going to pass it, and then just just darts out the other direction. He stands over and says, go on, go on, go on. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as they've taken that step, bang, he's away. Sometimes it's just a half step and they're, they're beaten. He knows, he knows he's got the shoulder on them then, but uh, good to see him back. A bit, a bit annoying because it was, I think we were all excited that suddenly on the bench and <laughs> hasn't aged well, but we have Bailey 
and we have Kamara and Coutinho, but we only got a few minutes out of Kamara and we didn't even see Coutinho. I mean, like, you know, there, there's another scenario here where Coutinho comes on. It's just not the game for him as well, but I think it was the first time we had a bit of firepower on the bench and oh, we just didn't even look close to getting back into the match. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're considering the Beatty to be firepower, then the second part of your sentence there is is explaining itself. We didn't look close to getting back into the match. Of course we didn't. We brought on Leon Bailey as our attacking substitution. <laughs> we shifted Kanza to right back and we brought on a left back who's slower than the one who was on the pitch in the first place. And this it all comes back to like, you know, having Kamara and Diego Carlos back is obviously great. It's great and they and they should probably go up as well for coming back. And they play well whenever they came onto the pitch. But like I said at the top of the show and like I said last week, the only areas I'd be focusing on in the summer is creative attacking players. All right, let's go to questions we can't answer, but probably will. How does Sam Allardyce think those other managers got those big jobs that he never got? <laughs> what what did like what did he think Alex Ferguson did before the Man United job? How, how, how does he think David Moyes got the Man United job? How does he think Roy Hodgson got the Liverpool job? Brendan Rodgers got the Liverpool job. Graham Potter got the Chelsea job. Like how does he think? all these managers who manage the same clubs that he managed that they pushed on. They did stuff with their teams. They all got the same pull of mid-table teams and some managers did something with those teams. Did something stand outish. They performed. They got achievements. They made people think, I want a bit of that in my team. All their managers didn't do much with them. And like, you know, I know success is defined differently, but bigger clubs definitely define success differently. And you know, there's a there's a pool of managers who stayed at that mid table region, like Pardew, like <laughs> Sam Allardyce. Roy Hodgson got his chance, got kicked straight back down to it. Sometimes that's people's level. He seems to think there's a grand conspiracy out there holding him back from pushing on, but the reality is he has had ever like he, he is in the prime position. Like if he if anybody ever wanted to get a big job, he has had all those jobs over and over. For over two decades, he's had over 20 years of a chance to really stake his claim to get a big job. And he's never done that. Yeah, he kept some of them up from relegation. But sometimes relegation shouldn't have even, like, you know, avoiding relegation shouldn't have been the target. Like, he achieved targets that shouldn't have been set. Like, if he, if anybody wants to get a top job, they weren't going to walk into it unless they're Frank Lampard. So like this, is, <laughs> this is what you do. You take one of these teams, you take Crystal Palace, you take even Bolton back then, and he did well to get Bolton up. But then the amount of money, the amount of players they brought in, the wages they were spending then. You take an Everton, you take a Newcastle, you take a West Ham, and you try to do some of those teams, and somebody notices it, and then they give you your big shot. Yeah, I, I think... I think to be fair, he did do brilliantly at Bolton. He spent money, but he did do really well with him. He was even he was even pushing for even pushing for the Champions League at one stage, but then that collapsed because he's a bollocks. That <laughs> collapsed in the last five games of the season. I think he got three points. Last six games of the season, he got, he got three points on the last eighteen, and that was them out of it. And that happened because he quit with two games to go, and he fell out with a chairman with six games to go. That's what happened because he's a prick. And that's the that's the other thing. Clubs are businesses, and the manager. Whether you like it or not, has to be has to be PR proofed. Not that Man City seem to care because you know I don't mean because of the sports washing and you know all the dodgy 
international dealings at the <laughs> but I mean because Pep Guardiola's a cunt they don't seem to care about that but other people do care about that and have, you can't just drop Sam Allardyce into that job and the other thing about his time at Bolton was as well that ended in 2007 he's been absolutely shit since then yeah. apart from his 100% record he had with the England national team as well <laughs> but like you know he hasn't done well at the other clubs he's been at since then. I mean, he was doing so badly at Sunderland that he had to pick a nonce for 18 games for the season. And the, he did quite well to help Everton recover from a disastrous start to the season, but he just returned them returned them to the mean, really. And he finished mid-table with them. That's where Everton were at. It was mostly to do with a new manager bounce as soon as he came in. That was a huge part of it. It was nothing to do with the 50 million he spent on Czech Tozan and Theo Walcott anyway. I say that contributed very fucking little to it. But... Big Sam just has an outsized ego, which is incredible as well. Could you think that his ego would comfortably fit inside that head? <laughs> well, an outsized ego that is comparing himself, yeah, with Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp. He says, you know, in terms of football knowledge, you know, there, there's no difference between him and Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp. And I'd say he's doing himself a disservice there. I'd say he probably knows a bit more about how to get around third-party ownership rules. <laughs> well, the, this is the other thing as well, because Sam Allardyce has imparted all the football knowledge on it. There's a really good podcast called No Tippy Tappy Football. <laughs> Sam Allardyce was the main anchor, alongside Natalie Pikes, who was the, the, the presenter on it. So it was a William Hill show. And it's called No Tappy Football. And like, it's no tippy-tappy football. This is the thing we're losing now by Sam Allardyce going back into management. <laughs> and he got some nuggets of gold on that. I mean, talking about a wealth of football knowledge, talking about somebody who you can go toe-to-toe with the best in the world and not knowing why he's never been given the chance. It's also given the England job as well, by the way. There's a big chance that he got along with <laughs> Managed to blow that one a few weeks into it. But he was talking about coaching badges. There was a great podcast where he was on with Neil Warnock. Neil Warnock, by the way, was pitching himself. Not not, not exactly himself, but someone like a Neil Warnock that the England camp was missing. Now, he wasn't saying that they need to get rid of Gareth Southgate, but he was saying they could definitely do with a Neil Warnock. And Sam Arles agreed. I'm just going to play a bit of that right now. I don't think that I would uh, get be even considered for that, but uh, I, you know, I do. I do think it's an element of uh, you know of of of, of Gareth's um, team. I think it just needs a tweet, really. I think it does need a, a Neil Warnock type coach, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> I think everybody's really nice. I think the team's really nice. I think his staff is really nice. You know, too nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really. do you think? Do you think that too nice? It's always too nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, I know, I know. We have to bring our youngsters, youngsters up and all that. But um, if you don't get toughened up for football, you're not going to survive. <laughs> I mean, he does know that we have to bring our youngsters up and all that, <laughs> but they're too nice. Yeah, it's, it's it's incredible. I mean, you think you would have had a bit of cop on seeing as I was giving out about you singing Gareth Brooks down the line to me, and like you know, this is we've been talking now for almost an hour, and you think the way to round this off, top the show with Gareth Brooks singing, now you're gonna fucking send me to sleep by listening to Neil Warnock talk about football. <laughs> well, if Neil Warnock's not doing it for you, do you want to hear what Sam Allardyce thinks of coaching badges? <laughs> I mean, you're not going to have to guess, but let's let's see what he has to say anyway. I say coaching badges. Are your driving test. 
once you've passed it, you get on with it how you want to. <laughs> how you want Today to. we need more qualifications than ever before. Um, it's a piece of paper. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and I think that... Uh, uh, I think the difficulty with some like life for youngsters now. Why do all youngsters have to have a degree? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. it's a rhetorical question, Connor. That needs an answer. It's a piece of paper, like much like a driving license. What the fuck is he talking? You get on with it how you want. Get on with it how you want. Once you, you have it. absolutely do not. What are you talking about? You have to stay within the lines. Sam, this is the type of thing you have to do. You have to not break the speed limit. You have to not just launch the ball forward aimlessly, hoping that someone gets on the end of it. There, there are things you're supposed to do as a football manager that you should have been fucking picking up from your coaching badges, the classes you were in, the classes you were apparently in anyway. Oh yeah, all this has done is just confirm to me that Sam Allardyce is that cunt at the roundabout who doesn't indicate. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam Allardyce is that self-involved prick at the junction who noses out and stops the traffic because he has to get somewhere. <laughs> There's other people in the world, Sam. But no, try telling him that. I know what you're thinking, though. You're thinking, well, I'm not going to listen to the No Tippy Tappy podcast now if Sam Allardyce is gone. But I do have good news, and I will be keeping a keen eye on it. Because interim podcast co-host in Sam Allardyce's place, guess who it is? Alan Pardew. <laughs> Very close. It's Tim Sherwood. <laughs> the Villa podcast win ratio is second to none. So plenty more where that came from. Uh, yeah, thanks a million for listening. And as always, look, it hasn't been a good week. It's been unfortunate probably season over it was good fun but um let's pick ourselves back up and we'll try and enjoy the last three games there are three big jesus christ kind of thought you're gonna say pick ourselves back up and dust ourselves down (laughs) fuck me mate (laughs) all right i think that's enough talking then for now see you later Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.